Episode 58 of Fitness Behaviour with Bevan James Isles. When our fears restrict us. Radio team, welcome along to episode 58 of Fitness Behaviour with Bevan James Oz, your fortnightly podcast on the behaviours that create a lifetime love of fitness and all the benefits that come alongside it. I'm um, currently up in Auckland right now, I'm sitting in my hotel room, I've got, a, I've got quite a spacious hotel room, I'm rooming with this guy from Japan, he doesn't speak very good English, and I haven't seen much of him, <laughs> so it's, uh, just thought I'd share that with you guys. So um, I'm up here in Auckland, I do some work for a company called Les Mills, which are a big fitness company, I'm sure many of you guys who are listening to this have heard of Les Mills, and um, I'm up here doing some work this week for those guys, and uh, we've got our big big, big day of work coming up next um, two days from now, from Wednesday, where we kind of film a fitness class that gets sent all around the world, so it's kind of always a big week in my life, but I've, um, you know, I've got a bit of time, so I thought I'd sit down this afternoon and actually get this latest podcast out to you. Uh, this is the one that's the the Bevan Sharing His Thoughts podcast. Uh, I had an interview last week or two weeks ago with Peter Brown with uh, Make It Stick, and if you haven't had a chance to listen to that interview, I highly recommend you go and listen to it, and I highly recommend that you get the book, Make It Stick. It was, um, I've got, had some really great feedback on the interview. People said they really thought it was, you know, his, his insight and his knowledge and what he shared was very fascinating. And I know I talked at the end of the show around how do you apply this to your life? And I think some of the lessons within yourself is, is maybe not try to do a big jump, you know, big behavior change all at once is quite a challenging thing to achieve, but maybe just to work on a few different areas at one time and uh, to over time evolve and adjust the way you learn things and, and the process around how you learn things to a place where you know, you're a much more effective learner and understander of what you're trying to to gain knowledge on in life. So again, check that out. This is the Peter Brown interview. I, I was meant to have a great interview coming up in a couple of weeks from now, um, but unfortunately the person, it was a really interesting actually. I, I, I'm really fascinated right now with the whole idea of nutrition. Nutrition is, is I don't really speak about nutrition a lot, um, A, because I'm not a nutritionist, and B, it's such an area that is um, highly debated and uh, with very strong opinions and emotions on either side of, of either argument, you know, because there's so many different philosophies out there around nutrition. And it was interesting, I, I when it comes to my press pieces, people tend to be pretty positive. And I wrote one around nutrition recently, and uh, it was the first time I got criticism. And, and I didn't even really say you need to eat a certain way, but it was just interesting how, you know, it's such a hot button subject. And I, I saw this interview with this... Um, kind of academic who was talking about one of the problems with healthy eating right now is that people are getting obsessed to a point which is actually really unhealthy and, and restricting their lives and she talked about how I can't remember the term she used but there's now like a and you know an intellectual term that defines the person who is too obsessed with eating healthy and in this piece that I watched they were showing a person who, you know, we got to the point where she wouldn't go out with friends because I can't remember what diet she was on, but let's just say she was on a paleo diet, but she wouldn't go out for dinner if the restaurant wouldn't have a paleo option. And uh, and for that reason, you know, she'd ring the restaurant beforehand and uh, see if they had it. And if not, she would literally stay home and restrict herself from, you know, a really good social experience that she would be missing out on. And what was happening was this lady was getting so stuck up in this diet that actually was having this really negative effect on her life and I was hoping to get that lady on the show to do an interview with her because I thought it'd be really interesting to get some insight into how those of us who are really healthier for eating but almost become obsessed in a way that actually becomes restrictive for us. Unfortunately I, I got her on and she was quite keen to come on for an interview but then she came back and she just sounds like one of those people who's stupidly busy and she said, I've just had to do an audit of my life and, and I've learned that I've had to start saying no to things. And so while I did say I wanted to do the interview, I've had to pull away from doing it. So it's unfortunate because I think she would have been a really good interview and would have been able to share some amazing insight into an area that when we think about nutrition, it is a very interesting area that we're definitely seeing a lot more of, this whole idea of I my identity is what I eat. And it's something that... um 
you know, if you think of like, it's like social media is very interesting in these times, isn't it? Because your social media is often a reflection of your own world. And so if I think about my social media, I'm not a big user of social media, but if I think about my Facebook wall or, or my Instagram feed, it's, I do get a lot of people who are showing how much exercise they're doing or showing the healthy food options that they have. And uh, and it's purely a reflection of the kind of world I'm surrounded with. So if I if if I thought the world was like my social media page, I, I would think that the whole world is pretty fit, pretty obsessed with exercise, and and very well not very, but an aspect of it's very obsessed with the nutrition and its eating. Now that is a snapshot into the connections that I have in my world. Realistically, the majority of the public is failing with exercise and nutrition habits definitely need to be improved. But it's interesting, there's definitely an aspect of the people in my social media world or my social networking world who what they eat is a, a massive part of their identity. And it's this this massive thing that they spend a lot of time showing their world that this defines who they are. And oh, I, I don't know where I want to go with this, but I suppose it's just a very interesting thing to to put so much emphasis on my diet is who I am. And uh, yeah, so I, I, while I haven't had the ability to get this person on this time, I'm going to try find another expert in this area who would be able to maybe help me elaborate on this uh, this area, which I think is a very interesting discussion to have around health and exercise, because actually, as this article that I watched showed, was that this lady was unhealthy because of her obsession with food, and not in a bulimic, um, anorexic kind of suppression way, but as in a restriction of life way. So, I'm going to get into today's show pretty soon, but um, just a couple other things I wanted to talk about before I get into the gist of today's show. Just there was a guy in, like I know a lot of the people who listen to this show probably also listen to my triathlon podcast, I Am Talk. I Am Talk is um, a weekly show that I do of John Newsom, and it's um, completely different to the show. It's very much kind of like a, a magazine podcast for triathlon, basically. And uh, if you're into triathlon, you'd love it. If not, maybe maybe you wouldn't love it so much. But but um, there's been a guy that's been a lot of talk in the triathlon world in the last period of time ago. Um, whose name is I don't even know his name because he goes by the name of Iron Cowboy. So while I'm talking about this, I'm gonna I'm gonna find it out. So uh, Iron Cowboy is a man who's been an extreme level exerciser. Now, when I think of myself and my time, I have been an extreme level exerciser. I've done, you know, Ironman triathlon. Just to complete one of those is what most people will consider extreme level triathlon. But his name's James Lawrence. James Lawrence. James Lawrence is the Iron Cowboy, and he is like for guys like me who have done extreme levels. He's like you know ten steps ahead of where I am. And uh, a few years ago, I think he he tried to beat the world record for the most amount of Ironmans in a year. I can't remember exactly how many it was, but it was kind of a crazy number of Ironmen. But in the last, and he actually finished within the last twenty four hours. But in the last kind of fifty days, he's had this challenge of completing fifty Iron distance. Training, it's not events because it wasn't races as such, but 50 iron distance training days in 50 days, and um, he's just completed it. And it uh, it just blows my mind away what this man has gone through. It so, so for those who don't know much about Ironman, so first of all, it's a 3.8k swim, it's a 180k bike ride, 180 kilometers of biking, which is about a 112 mile for those who who are. Uh, in the mile kind of um, measurement system, and then they run a marathon. So for 50 days in a row, James Lawrence, Iron Cowboy, has gone and completed completed this. And, and many people didn't think it was possible. Many people didn't think he would do it. Even when he was 10, 15 days into it, we were getting emails on the show saying, there's no way this guy can do it. And uh, far out, man, this guy has absolutely blitz this out of the park and and I was, why am I mentioning this now I just I don't know I just think there's something about seeking adventure in life that's really admirable and, and to seek um, a test I, like I love the idea in life this whole idea of I, I'm, I'm kind of thinking on my feet here but I want to talk to you about sometimes when I motivate my classes and one of the classes that's very interesting in exploring how to motivate people with are the spin classes and why is that well the spin classes 
uh, one of the only classes where getting the people to do the movement is very simple. So you don't have to spend much of your energy into telling people how to move. Whereas I'm doing a body attack class, which is your traditional high impact aerobics class or a, a, a combat class, which is a fighting class or, you know, a step aerobics class. You know, you're spending probably, you know, at least 50 to 60% of your time directing the people around how to do the movement, where to move and, and how to be effective in the movement. Well, in the spin class, they're riding the bike. There's a few different movement patterns, but really the fundamentals of it are, are pretty basic. And for that reason, you you suddenly uh, have the, the luxury of space and time. And with that luxury of space and time, you're able to really dig into motivation and levels that you couldn't in the other classes because you just don't have that time. And I'm always I'm always really trying to explore how do I get inside somebody's head to help them drive to higher levels of themselves when they're exercising. And I'll do lots of things. I'll, I try to do a lot of kind of use questions and, and, and uh, analogies and stories and, you know, all those kind of things to really get the person who's listening to me to th- reflect upon themselves to make a harder choice. And one of the most interesting ones I've ever used is, um, I remember I, the, the music from Platoon, uh, you would know it, I, 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 I can't really play it for you right now, but the movie The Platoon has this very dramatic orchestral music, I can't remember the name of it, I think it's, um, no, I can't remember, um, something in E, but it's just, imagine building powerful emotional but emotionally dramatic music that's kind of that, that kind of lets you know that you're facing something that is very epic and um and so I was playing this song which in itself kind of draws the best out of the people in the class and I started talking about this whole concept of being a soldier and the whole idea of being a soldier in that you know, like when we go to, a, when I do exercise, ultimately I love this whole idea of who am I when I'm exercising? Am I someone who pushes through in my hardest moment? Am I someone who has that ability that when the toughest challenges comes up in front of me, I have the ability to push through and find another level? And while I was teaching this class one day, I, I, I had the the platoon music on and the drama and the emotion and and. As an instructor, I'm trying to use my voice and my face and the pauses, the, the tonality, the you know the contrast to, to really kind of dig into these people's heads. And I started talking about their ultimate test of being a soldier. And a soldier, their ultimate test is who am I in that moment? But unfortunately for them, if they fail that test, the cost is their life. And I think ultimately, and this may be more of a male thing, I'm not quite sure if it's a, ma- a female thing, and maybe it's not even a male thing, maybe it's just how I work with exercise, but but ultimately that we want to think, or at least I know I want to think that in those toughest times in my life, I'm going to step up and take, make the hardest choices. And, you know, so going back to this class scenario that I, I use that, you know, like in that moment when the hardest choice came and the other option was was the worst option of all, who would you be? And the really fascinating thing about this as an instructor is I, I, I can't remember many other times in my career where I've had a whole group of people giving 100% effort chasing harder than they'd ever hit, you know, just pushing themselves to the absolute max because what I'd used to trigger them at that moment just seemed to really fire up all their motivation. And ultimately that's my job in that situation is how do I get these people to find higher levels? But I love this idea of, you know, exercise, there's plenty of benefits, but this whole idea of identity and this whole idea of it allows you to prove to yourself that in tough times... I have the ability to push through. Now, if we if we take it a few steps back and we look at someone like James Lawrence, the Iron Cowboy, I can I can't give, I can't even comprehend how he perceives because he's 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 just done it, isn't he? He's done fifty Ironman distance training days in fifty days in a row, and he's proven to himself in levels that we can't even comprehend that in his toughest times, he has the ability to push through. 
and I think about myself in my life and and that is like uh, I love don't get me wrong I love having a body that shows that I'm a fit person I love um, moving I love running in nature I love you know so many aspects I love the social I love you know I, I love the fact that my body has the ability if someone says do you want to go for a three hour run I can just get up and go for a three hour run I, I love so many benefits of exercise but one of the things I love the most is that I get to test myself often in my life and to to show myself that in my toughest moments I stand up and for me I think that's one thing that one of the biggest benefits of exercise is that 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 self-proving of yourself that wow I've pushed through here and then you know you've if you've listened to the show long enough, you'll know that I've talked about the stuff that exercise, what I learned from exercise is a transferable thing that I can put into other areas of my life. And that's that's what, you know, what we really think about with this is that we think about this, if I prove to myself through exercise that I can push through in my hardest times, well then can I take that ability and, and the approach that I had at that time in my life into other areas of my life? And then what is the power of that that has you know that can influence me to develop myself as a whole person in my life, not just someone who's really good at exercise. And the, why am I bringing up this today? I just I just I'm in awe of what James has achieved. And I have to be honest, it makes me reflect on am I chasing that enough in myself right in my life right now? And, and I'll be honest, I probably aren't as much as I used to. And uh, it's something. I need in my life because it does give me a sense of identity that is a really powerful thing. So as you listen to this, what are those things in your day, you know, week, your days, your weeks, you know, that you, you shouldn't have to face often in your life that allow you to remind yourself that in my tough times, I step up and make the harder choices. Because I think ultimately we can all agree that if, if you have the ability to make harder choices in your life more often, the, the results in your life, the rewards are going to be a lot more satisfying and uh, a lot more externally kind of rewarding as well. So just some stuff to think about there. I haven't really got into the main gist of today's show. I'm going to get into it real soon. But just before I do, just again, the patrons page, if you want to become a patron of the show. And I have got a couple of new patrons. So I'm going to pause and come back to this in two seconds for my new patrons. And I am back. So again, just if you want to become a patron of the show, what you can do is you go to bevanjamesisles.com and you'll notice that on my front page, there is the Patreon link. You go there and just basically choose how much you want to donate to each show. And every time I put a show out, you just... Yeah, how much you ever chose uh, will then go, you know, be paid uh, towards me. So basically, twice a month because I release a show every fortnight. Twice a month, you'll put a payment towards the show. You can do as little or as much as you want. And uh, these three people this month have done that. And I've got three names, and I actually know two of them, which kind of makes it easy for me to make nicknames up. So first one is Luke Miller. Luke Miller is a guy that I know who's I think currently in Singapore. Well, last I heard he was in Singapore. And one thing I know about Luke Miller is is he is into his James Bond. And I couldn't call him Double Seven, could I? Because it's just not a great nickname. So I've called him the Agent Double. One because it's like the number one agent, agent 001 Luke Miller. So there you go. Hope you like that one, Luke. Kate um, Southern. Now Kate Southern. Now this is this is. I'm going to tell you the story behind this one. So there was Southern Southern. There's a in New Zealand. There's a kind of the Southern beer is called Spates. You know, it's um it's kind of the big branded beer for the Southern kind of island, and um and they used to have an ad years ago, which. Uh, which was a time, I can't remember the exact day thing, but basically it was it's a hard road to a perfect woman was this kind of beer ad, and I'm sure you can imagine what it was all about. But so I'm going to say Kate, the perfect one, Southern. So Kate, you are the perfect woman, basically. I don't even know you, but I'm assuming you are. So <laughs> uh, the perfect one, Kate Southern, and um, then Robbie Allen. Robbie Allen's another guy that I know from. I've known him for years actually. Robbie is this really nice young man, I can say that, because he's 10 years younger than me, I think, and um, he's this kind of very ambitious, um, intelligent, kind of guy who decides to chase his dreams, and uh, like I really admire Robbie, Robbie was this young guy who was doing really well in his career, but decided actually I want to do something else, and went overseas and studied at a big university, and now is kind of chasing even bigger dreams, so I've called him Big Shot Robbie, so Big Shot Robbie Allen, you are 
um, another patron of the show and I really appreciate all the patronage from everyone who listens to the show for those who are already donated and I've mentioned in the past you you really do help me do a great show and again the more patrons I get the more I can put time and energy into trying to create great works for you guys so if you aren't a patron and you want to be a patron of the show just go to bevanjamesisles.com and it's all pretty obvious from there anyway I'm going to get into today's show now so I'm going to put some music on and let's get it rolling I want, you to, I want you to imagine a situation, and this is, I have to admit I've done this with my clients a lot in the past, but I think this is a very interesting situation. I want you to imagine you're at maybe, I don't know, let's say you've been at a social function with, with all your friends, and you're sitting around and maybe, let's say you go to the toilet, and you go to the toilet, and you're sitting in the toilet, and uh, and you're in a cubicle, so nobody knows you're actually probably in the toilet, and, and while you're in the toilet, let's say a mix of seven people from your life. So it might have been your birthday party and a mix of seven or eight people from your life walk into the toilet while you're in the cubicle and they don't actually know you're in the toilet. I know this is probably not the best <laughs> scenario ever, but just, just, just go with it. You're sitting in the toilet and suddenly while you're sitting there in the toilet and, and you know that all the people in this room, they start talking about you. And they start talking about you in, um, in in really honest ways. Now it's funny, this, this scenario I talk about is actually a scenario that a good friend of mine called Kylie, um, she's an, an instructor who's been around for years and, and Kylie had this happen to her once when she was teaching a class. She taught an aerobics class and after the class she went into the toilet, which is going to the toilet, and she, all the members, all the people who had done her class were in the changing rooms and they started talking about her while she was in the toilet. Now, can you can you imagine what that would be like in that moment? Can you imagine how that would feel for you to be sitting there as the people in your life started to talk about you? And there's kind of two ways we can look at this, isn't there? There's, the first way is to go, well, what would be the most amazing things these people could say about you? What could be the 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 most you know just like oh my god it's music it's sugar to my ears it's gold I just you know they're saying the nicest things about me so for myself they would include words like honest um, uh, fun uh, happy kind caring um, loving. You know, you know, those would be kind of words that I kind of think of as that pop up in my head. What what would they be for you? If you were sitting there in that cubicle, and a mix of people, so you know, but people you cared about, maybe your your good friends, a family member, someone from your work, maybe someone from a hobby, maybe somebody you admire. What would be the words that you'd want to hear them say about you? Think about it. What would be the best words you could hear them say about you? It's an interesting thought to go through, isn't it? How do I want to be seen by the people who I care for their opinion of me? And then the second, the second side to look at this, which is obviously a much harder way to look at this, is what would be the worst things you could hear being said about you in that situation? What could be the things that would hurt, that... Um, that would make you extremely upset. That as you were hearing them, there'd just be this kind of physical and and, and internal kind of struggle that you'd be going through that would almost shift, you you know, your, your whole place as you sat there and experienced these people talking about you in this way. You know, what would they, they be? My, for me, it would be arrogant. Uh, uh, the whole idea of being arrogant is something um, I've, you know, uh, 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 you know, just to be the worst word to describe me. Um, you know, what, what are those words for you? What are the good words? What are the bad words? Now, when we start to think about these things, when we start to think about, well, and it's, it's real, I suppose, is ultimately is how, does my, how do I want my world to see me? And we start to think about 
how do I want my words? Then we can start to see why we our personality is a certain way inclined. That if I want to be someone like for me, I like to be a pleaser. I like to be loved. I want to be fun and happy. Um, uh, I want to be a good person in someone's life. So you can kind of see that these are the ways that I want my world to see it. And, and the thing about that situation, that kind of toilet situation, is that am I actually living up to the way I want my world to see me? Is, is what the way I think I am in my world, is that actually realistic? And if I were to sit in that cubicle and I hear those, those great words, that would be a confirmation that, yes, I'm being the person I want to be in the world. But if I'm sitting in that cubicle and I'm hearing things that are that are really kind of harmful, not harmful, but hurtful or, or make me feel kind of horrible, well, that's probably a confirmation that maybe I aren't what I think I am in this world. And what we tend to do in our lives is, is we start to think about, you know, maybe we don't consciously do this, but what we can do is our behaviours will reflect what we want to be in the world. So as, as I think about how I behave around those around me in my life, a lot of my behaviours are obviously around me trying to show my world that I am those positive words that I that I mentioned. Hardworking, you know, like I'm just kind of these words popping up in my head as I speak. And at the same time, I, I, I kind of consciously do things to stay away from looking like I am the other side of that. So, you know, like arrogance, I'll go back to arrogance. I, like I do a lot of things to make sure like I never look arrogant to the world. Now today I'm going to do something slightly different. Today I'm going to talk about something that's actually going to encourage you or to make you explore maybe what we would think is the darker side of this and how maybe that's actually limiting you in your life. And I want to share an experience I had with a client recently around this and it's it's um, and a concept that I got introduced two years ago which I think is a really imp- important concept to really help us explore. So I was doing a session with a client a few weeks ago and uh, this client um, has one of the things that I, I get a lot with my clients is that the expectations make them feel like they are failing in life but their expectations are unfair and unrealistic so they're never going to be successful because their expectations are just unreasonable. So this just to throw in an example, and this isn't from my client, but just an example, um, you may think I, I need to get into exercise, so you think you need to run a marathon you know, within the next three months, and you've never done any exercise. Well, if you start off with that type of thinking, 99% of the time people are going to fail. So your expectations lead you to failing. And then what happens is, because your expectations were so unrealistic, and you fail, you use it as confirmation of why I am a failure. And this client that I've been working with is is definitely one of those. And to be honest, I'll be honest, a lot of the work I do with a lot of my clients is often around teaching them how to be more realistic around the expectations and learning how to set realistic expectations um, so they don't become so paralyzed because this is what often happens is the person who has high expectations fails they become paralyzed, they end up doing nothing, which reinforces that they're a failure. So we started working on, I kind of threw this this question at this, this client of mine, this whole idea of, well, what, what do you want to be seen like in the world? And what don't you want to be seen like in the world? And they came back with some words, you know, like, I can't make the exact words, but something like, you know, I want to be seen as a hard worker. I want to be seen as someone who um, is competent. I want to be seen as someone who's friendly, you know, kind of, I imagine we all have similar kind of, ways that we want to be seen and then I said well what's the worst case scenario for you to be seen in the situation and they came up with some words like um, uh, maybe not until I can't remember that word I'm just kind of making these ones up so it isn't necessarily accurate but I'll give you an idea so they came up with some words like um, you know like um, unintelligent um, uh, a sleaze um, disloyal uh, no integrity. Uh, one of the words that, that really did shine out was lazy. So we came up with this this kind of two lists of words, you know, how do I want the world to see me and then how don't I want my world to see me. And the whole purpose of this exercise that I'm going to explain to you in a second is to, to really not even necessarily be too concerned about how I want the world to see me at this moment. Now, that's something you can choose to work on within yourself and it's something you can choose to 
put a lot of time and energy into your life and to make sure that you are doing more of that. But what we're trying to explore is how do the personality traits that I'm fearful of being seen restrict my own behaviors that could be valuable in my life? I'm going to repeat that again. How do the behavior traits that I'm fearful of being seen like in the world restrict behavior traits that could actually be valuable in my life? So let me let me explain a little bit more. So with this client, one of the ones that we discovered was this whole concept of being seen as lazy. That this person, one of the worst, like if we looked at it, the positives that, you know, is hard work and competent, intelligent and stuff like that. One of the worst things that they could be seen as, like if they were sitting in that cubicle with themselves, one of the worst things they could hear was, so-and-so is lazy. You know, that would tear them apart. And so one thing that this person was doing, and this is what we discovered, was that because they were so fearful of being seen as lazy, they would do anything to make sure the world wouldn't see them as lazy. The problem was that there was a certain level of behaviours that was restricting this person in their life that actually was making making it harder for them to live their life in a really powerful way because they were fearful of being seen as lazy. So they they were talking about how they had this project that they were working on and there was these kind of people that were meant to be reporting to and they were kind of falling a little bit behind on the project. And one of the reasons was it was just a really hard project and a project that they were uh, challenged with and, you know, it was just taking a lot of time. But because they were so fearful of being seen as lazy they weren't communicating to the people who they were meant to be reporting to around how hard this this project was and how they were actually starting to fall behind because the demands of it was, was maybe harder than they had expected. So they were working on this project. The project was harder than they perceived and was taking more time than they perceived. But because they were fearful of being seen as lazy... They then got trapped in the place where they couldn't communicate to this person around what was really happening in this place. So my fear of being seen as lazy stopped me from great clear communication to help me actually get support, get understanding and take pressure off myself. So in this situation, what was happening was, as time was going on, this person felt they were getting more and more behind the eight ball, failing more and more which then reinforced why they were kind of failing as a person and also not not getting the support for those people around them. So their fear became a limiter to a behavior that could help them get through this time more successfully. So if they weren't fearful of being seen as lazy, they may have realized, okay, well, actually, the demands of this is higher than I thought or maybe that I first communicated with those around me so for this reason, I need to go back to these people and say, hey, you know what, I, um, you know, it's going to take a little bit longer or it's a little bit harder, so I'm going to take some time or maybe I need some, some more support or you know, how do you help me through this maybe even just by accepting the situation or providing me with the support I need. But because of this person's inner fear of being lazy, they couldn't ask that question. And what's the cost of that? Well, the cost of that is then this person felt they were failing with this work. And because they felt they were failing with this work, it actually became a bit of a paralyzer for them. You know, that motivating themselves to do the work became harder. So then they stopped doing it to the level they had before. So then more and more, this kind of this pressure was building more and more within themselves. Actually, as I, as I talk about this, I've got another example. I've got a, another client right now who's doing study, and uh, this person has a full-time life, like full-on man, and recently has decided to add 20 hours of study to their life as well. So if you've got a full-on life and you add 20 hours of study to your life, that, that makes life a lot harder. And at the end of the first term of their study, and this person's, you know, like I think, they, they, you know, high-level study, it's that kind of past your first period of study, it's a big study. And... Uh, after the first term, they were just under the pump and under the pump massively. And one thing that we discovered was that they made it harder on themselves because they weren't willing to ask for support from the people who were there, who, who, whose job it was to support them. This person didn't want to be seen as being thick 
the like not being intelligent enough and and so for that reason they felt that they had to do all the work themselves which made it harder on them because because they needed someone who was just a little bit wiser up the ladder than them to be able to look and say oh no here's what you need to do and actually the support networks were there but because of this person's fear of being seen as maybe thick or or not intelligent enough they were making it harder on themselves and what we worked with for this person was, well, well, let's get you better at one of your goals of this experience is to use support. And once they opened up to using support, uh, like it made it was like I'm a, a, a pressure valve got released. And that's similar to what's happened with this person who sees themselves as or is fearful of being lazy. So if we kind of take a step back, I suppose this is what we want to start to understand within ourselves. And what we want to start to understand is. What are those characteristic personality traits or characteristics that I really don't want my world to see me like? And then, how do I how do I identify how they could be restricting me? And this is really important to identify because it's not that I'm saying to you know to one of my clients, oh, well, you need to be lazy, or you need to be unintelligent at time, or you know, like I'll give, as an instructor, you know, my thing was always arrogant. I hate the idea of people seeing me as arrogant. But what that would do is it would strip me from certain behaviours that actually could be really powerful as an instructor. Like for me to stand up in front of a group of people and, and to say. Um, to be confident is, is a really important thing because if I'm confident, they have belief in me. And so, I, you know, it shuts me off to behaviours. And what we want to do is, it's not that I, we want to move towards being the personality trait we don't like. What we want to do is we want to ask ourselves, is my fear of being seen as this personality traits blocking me off from behaviours that actually could be really important in me being successful in my life? So from the examples above, if I were to be more open to getting support when I was fearful of being seen lazy, would that actually make it easier for me to be successful? Or if I felt unintelligent, could I look for support? It's funny, so going back to my one, when I did this with an, as a group fitness instructor, mine was arrogance. And what that limited me from was from sometimes taking command of the workout from those in front of me because I didn't want them to think that I was up myself. But actually, once I got over this kind of limiting my behaviours because of my fear, I'll stand up in front of a class right now and I'll be really arrogant. I'll say, I'm the fittest guy in the room, no one can beat me. Now that's a really arrogant statement. But the reason I'm doing that is because I know that for some people in this room, that's going to motivate them to go harder than they ever thought possible. It's only one motivational tool I use, and it's not one that will work for everybody. But I know, like, I remember in RPM, the spin class, there's a guy who used to come to my class called John. And John was just a hard-working man, like, not just in group fitness and everything he did. He was a top lawyer. He was one of those guys who does 60 hours a week and, you know, high-achieving guy. And when he exercised, he was there to do one thing. He was there to, to kill himself. And I would be exercising, and, and I'd look at John, and I'd say, mate, I'm fitter than you. You can't keep up with me. Now, that's a really arrogant statement. But John never worked as hard as when I said things like that to him. So because I was no longer fearful of being seen arrogant and opening myself up to the behaviours of what I was limiting myself from, I was able to help John achieve a lot more. So I became much more effective as a group fitness instructor. And that's what we want to think about here. So I suppose if I'm going to kind of take this back to you, Think about those words that you came up with in your mind earlier on the show when I asked you the question of you're in the cubicle, people you care about. And they have to be people you care about because it's kind of, you know, like if someone says I'm something but they don't know me, it's not so much the same as if someone who knows me says something. Think of those words that pop up in your head. And maybe, you, you know, at that time you didn't really pop them up. But if you don't, after today's show, when you get some time really over after the show, just really think about how would I hate the world to see me? Then the second thing to explore is, again, this is really important, is what behaviours does the fear of me, my world seeing me in that light stop me from doing? And there's probably two ways you can look at this. What behaviours do I want to continue to stay away from? So if I were to be arrogant in a way where it was bullying people and putting them down, well, I don't want to be that. But that's, that's, to me, that's arrogance in a way that's really horrible. Or if my client um, 
want you know lived in a house that was always a mess because they didn't clean up after themselves well maybe that's that's maybe to them that's real laziness and so there is a level of there are behaviors in this area here that yeah I definitely want to stay away from but then there are also a level of behaviors that maybe I should open myself up to because the benefit of it would be beneficial to my life so as you ask that okay what is my fear what behaviors do I limit in my life because of this fear then you almost want to categorize them into which ones are the ones that I would want to continue to stay away from and which ones are ones that actually make my life harder to lead. And that's another thing you could explore at that time. Okay, well, I'm therefore being seen as lazy and for that reason, um, I always want to make sure my house is clean or my appearance is good or um, you know that I do my, my work, whatever. I do notice that it does restrict me from asking for support or communicating when things are getting on top of me. So one area I can work on, and maybe even another level is to go, what's the cost of that? Well, the cost of that to me is that I create more pressure in my life. I probably don't get the quality of my work done to the standards I like because because there's more pressure. If I were to have lasted for more time, maybe I'd get more time to produce the work that I wanted to do. So actually it costs my quality. It creates more stress. It makes me feel that I'm failing. You know, so what is the cost of me holding on to this behavior? Then once you've understood what that cost is, is how do I develop a pathway forward to me exploring and opening up to this level of behavior in my life? Because one of the things we need to acknowledge is that this isn't easy to move towards what something you've perceived as a characteristic trait, even though it's a behavior of it, to move towards that may be uncomfortable and may not feel natural. So as much as with my client we're saying, well, let's get you try, try, try to open up to support, you may be still really emotionally attached to that hoider that's lazy. So it's going to be a hard thing to work on within yourself. But if you can understand that actually the cost of this in my life makes my life harder, then you can also start to understand that actually this is a really good area of my life to be developing in my life moving forward. And then from there, it's really about doing the work. It's really about putting the work out there and doing the hard yards. You know, taking, looking at, you know, when I say doing the work, I always go back to the small steps kind of process, don't I? You know, like, okay, well, I'm not very good at support. Well, what areas in my life could I start to open up to support? It might be that I can just go to a friend or, you know, for the person who is doing the study, it might be that I can just go to a peer to ask for support at first. And then I can then go to maybe a mentor who's put in place and then maybe a lecturer. But it's it's building my confidence to be able to open myself up to the behaviours that will have beneficial results in my life. We all have characteristic traits. I suppose if I'm going to wrap this up, if I'm going to kind of do the recap, ultimately we all have characteristic traits that we don't want to be. We, we often work hard in life not to be them. And we work hard in life to show the world that we are the characteristic traits that, that we want to be in our lives. But sometimes in trying to stay away from the characteristic traits we don't like, we create behaviours that actually make it harder for us to function at the best level in our life. If we can start to understand what those characteristic traits are, what the behaviours are, the ones that we want to stay away from and the ones that we should be looking to develop are, what are the costs of me maintaining behaviours that actually make it harder for me, and then how do I move forward in a way that builds confidence and makes this a powerful way for me to move and live in my life. Then I'm developing my self much more effectively in my life. And ultimately, if we're doing that, then surely we're becoming a better version of ourselves. Hopefully you got a lot from that. It's um, it's a, it's an interesting area. It's it's you know like we, it's that sometimes we just keep developing the thing that we need to develop without developing what needs to be developed. So, you know sometimes we make life a lot harder than we need to do if we could just maybe look at it a different way. Now I did get a, a couple of emails this month. I'm going to read one out to you right now. I'm just going to actually I'm going to pause. I'll be back in one second. 
I am back and I've got an email here from Michael Harrison Nolson, I'm going to say. I'm not very good with last names. It's definitely not my strong point when it comes to names, but hopefully I got that right. Nelson, um, Michael, sorry. Michael sent through an email. He's basically a, a guy who has lost a lot of weight. He was 107 kgs. He's gone down to 80 kgs. So that's that's massive, man. It's nearly 30 kgs. And, and he's done it through quite a... Uh, controlled diet and and the calorie counts and um, he's got exercise and he does some good cardio and he does some weights and stuff like that and um, and he's basically there's kind of two questions that he's got in here he's got first of all he's saying that it, at the end of the day he eats really well during the week and then on the weekend he tends to lose a little bit of control and so his concern is that that on the weekends he tends to have a little bit more calories and he's concerned that at the end of the day is, uh, you know, by him kind of having uh, the weekdays being very healthy and the weekend maybe not being so healthy and, and putting a little bit on is eating high calorie intake for two days in a row enough to send the body into fat storage mode is essentially is what he's asking. How do you, And how do you find the right balance between calories in versus calories out so as to be able to bulk and um, tone muscle whilst also trying to lose some remaining fat loss that should be there. I think there's a couple of things that Michael was doing which I would probably recommend some changes in. So he's doing quite a bit of cardio. He's walking every day, gets some cycle in, and he's also doing weights pretty much every day. But he's saying that when he does weights, he's concentrating on arms, biceps, and shoulders because he feels that through his cardiovascular work, he's getting the legs and stuff done. I, I think I would definitely change your approach to the type of training you are doing. So you're doing very kind of long, slow distance type of cardiovascular training. And so you're also doing weights, which is, I know you want, it seems like you want a certain body look. And with that body look, you want obviously good arms. <laughs> and so all your energy is going into doing those types of movements. The problem with that is is that really when it comes to weight training, you want to get more into your compound movements. And compound movements, what is a compound movement? Well, it's basically where we're using lots of muscle groups at one time. And, and we want to really, like while if I do lots of bicep curls, you kind of think, well, that will make my arms better. If I can stress the body in lots of areas, it's going to demand more of my body. And compound movements is just a lot more stressful on your body. So my recommendation would be to, to shift the way you are exercising. And I would also start to put some of the hits type of workouts into your cardiovascular work. You're doing lots of exercise, but it's maybe not the best use of your exercise time and, and it's partly because at first you just got into the habit of doing what you've done and it's helped you to achieve this level but if you are trying to lean up and you are trying to you know get that you know it seems like you, you want to get a little bit of bulk in definition and you feel that you know that's not quite there yet and some of the research that we're finding around hits based training right now is really showing it's, it's a really effective way to get lean and so what is hits training well hits training is high intensity interval training and um, so like if you do a gym class like a, a grit lesmos grit class they've got some great hits classes um some you know crossfit is a version of hits um those types of workouts are very good workouts now the thing about the hits workouts is they are very very intense and they, and they have to be to get their results but the demands there's a thing called epoch and and that's basically what's the cost of the me doing this exercise post exercise and basically it says that if i do a really hard workout after the fact my body has to root Recovers takes so much longer for the body to recover, and so it's actually my body's working harder just as I'm doing my everyday things. So I would say that for now, I wouldn't necessarily worry so much about what's happening on the weekends. Like you know, I know you're saying that on the weekends I'm not as disciplined, and you know I go a little bit over. But by the, by the sounds of what you sent through to me, it doesn't sound like you go absolutely crazy on the weekend. It's just you loosen the reins a little bit, and so I would actually at first I would adjust what I'm doing with my exercise and I would move I'd still remain keep some of my long slow distance exercise in but actually I'd be starting to add maybe three hits type of interval sessions in for cardiovascular and then I'd go see a personal trainer and get them to design a whole body workout and and, and my only question is is how hard are you working within your you know, within your training. Because if we think about hypertrophy training, you know, you, when we say, you know, if we want to grow muscle, your reps want to be somewhere between, let's say, 6 to 12. That's kind of where the zone you, your reps are in. Now, if your reps are in those zone, it, it should be, you know, it should, you know, it, it should be really hard to get those 
eight to 12 out. It shouldn't just be I get 12 out and I, you know, just that's it done. So I need to make sure that when I do weights training, I'm using a variety of different muscle types to make sure I'm creating a whole body workout. I need to make sure that the intensity of the weight training I'm doing is really challenging my body so that it makes it adapt to the change that I desire. So actually, when it comes to nutrition, it seems like you're pretty on top of it, and the fact that you've lost nearly 30 kgs shows that that's pretty good. Um, if you're maintaining that 80 kgs of weight for a period of time, it doesn't seem that those two days will make it that much of a difference. I actually think for you, it's probably going to be more in my approach to training. And my recommendation would be get a really good personal trainer who you know is kind of up to date with modern kind of thought and you want them, you know, want to be moving towards more hits-based cardio with a mix of hits and, you know, you, the kind of stuff you're already doing. And then with the weights training, I would definitely be trying to target the whole body, um, you know, just to do every, every day to be doing biceps, arms and shoulders. It's, you know, you just need to do a lot more for your body and to be using more challenging types of movements that really stress the body, to, to ask it to adapt in different ways. And that way what will happen is your, your muscles will grow a little bit, which will then, you know, that's another way that we can get leaner as well because, you know, the more muscle we use, the leaner we're going to get as well. So fingers crossed that, that can give you some idea on stuff that you want to do with that stuff there. Team, if you've got any questions, you want to email them through to me, you can email them at bevanjames.com at gmail.com and I'll answer them on the show if I've got time if you want to become a patron of the show um, go to Bevan James Oz click on the patron link I'd love if you could it really helps it seriously does and uh, for those who already are patrons I I love your support and I really appreciate it and it it really makes a difference Um, I I was meant to have an interview sorted and now it's gone because she's too busy so two weeks from now I'm going to have an interview I don't know who it's with um, I have really read uh, a couple of really interesting books recently. One's called Mindless Eating, which um, maybe I'll try to get the author of that on because it was a pretty good book. So I'll be getting on to that. I'll get an interview for you in the next couple of weeks. Spread the word about the show. If you want to spread the word, put it on Facebook, send it to your friends. Um, listening is often the hardest thing to, to get people to do. Um, you send an article, people like it. So if you, know, if you do like any of the shows or if you, especially that Peter Brown interview last time, send it through. Appreciate your support. Keep up the good work team and I'll see you in a couple weeks time. Bye.